I'm Michelle Sims, and this is the Beauty in the Mess, a community where people who crave a shift in mindset, personal growth, and connection to like-minded people come together to start rewriting their stories. Through engaging, honest, and insightful conversations, the show will help you embrace the mess to recognize the meanings and the lessons it holds and discover its hidden treasures to help you start making a mindset shift. Let's listen, learn, and reclaim who we were meant to be. Hi, friend. Welcome to the Beauty in the Mess. If you suffer from an autoimmune disease, diabetes, or anything for that matter, you need to tune in and listen to what Dr. Ben Galliert has to say. I'm excited to welcome Dr. Ben to the Beauty in the Mess. Dr. Ben's mission is to provide hope to people with medical conditions, especially autoimmune conditions. His mom and his wife have now been cured of MS and ITP, respectively, and he wants others to know that miracles are possible for them as well. He wants to restore hope for a better outcome. Dr. Ben is now helping thousands of people himself. Hi, I'm Michelle Sims, your host. I'm just a regular person who, along with my family, have had our share of messes that we too have had to overcome. Along the way, I got curious as to how others get through their messes and even triumph over them. Maybe there's a better way, a faster way. Maybe we can accelerate our journeys by learning from someone else. That started my pursuit. I think we can all learn from each other through the sharing of our experiences, lessons, and knowledge. So join me for episode 40 of The Beauty and the Mess called Blood Sugar Affects More Than Diabetes with Dr. Ben Galliard. Dr. Ben Galliard, D.C., is founder and CEO of F8 Well Centers and the Galliard Method. He is also a world-recognized speaker in neurofeedback and brain regeneration After successfully treating thousands of patients in his Colorado office, he brought his Galliard method to other parts of the country by opening satellite offices. He now leads and teaches his Galliard method to all of our new doctors across the country while also working one-on-one with his patients. Dr. Ben was hooked on learning more about functional medicine, which incorporates the latest in genetic science, systems biology, as well as an understanding of how environmental and lifestyle factors influence the emergence and the progression of disease. He has spent the rest of his life learning these methods from top-named doctors nationwide. Before it was even called functional medicine, he was an expert in functional medicine. He is the author of Blood Sugar Doesn't Lie and Rebuild Your Brain, Stop the Damage, and Start the Repair. He also has a long list of certifications, degrees, and training that I have listed in the show notes if you want to see him. So without further ado, let's dive right into today's conversation. Hi, Dr. Ben. Welcome to the Beauty and the Mess. I'm so glad to have you here today. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on. It's going to be fun. Oh, it will be. Now, I know you're quite the recognized expert like on neurofeedback, brain regeneration, and even autoimmune conditions. But I was wondering if you wouldn't mind like just briefly telling us what led you down the path of functional medicine and what got you here today, in other words. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And the story, there's definitely power in the story. And when, when I look back, I was a junior in high school and my mom got diagnosed with MS. Oh, wow. And she was, we used to go for runs together. She was always out hiking, fishing, doing everything. And, you know, it was like, wow, okay, MS, what does that even mean? And we went down that path and the doctor was like, hey, you're going to have flare-ups and then you'll have remission. Flare-ups and remission. Every time it's going to happen, you're going to get worse and worse and worse. And eventually 
you're going to die from this. Oh, wow. And that's not really how my mom is. She's she's kind of a of a go getter, and uh, you know, okay, well that that's not going to be how my life's going to go. And so she she had to go on disability, went on all the MS drugs, had to get a cane, had to get a wheelchair, and kept looking and kept looking. And fortunately, after I went off to college, my dad retired. They moved down to this small town in Missouri and started working with this this doctor that was doing functional medicine, even before it was called functional medicine. He was looking for the root causes. He was trying to figure out why in the world would somebody have MS? Why in the world would your body attack its own tissue? And so they started working through all these systems and started working through the reasons why. And it got to the point where she was able to get out of her wheelchair. She was able to get off of her medications, give away her cane. She was able to actually reverse MS. And her last MRI almost 20 years ago showed no more plaque, showed no more MS. And to this day, she just turned 80 this year and she still doesn't have MS. She does granny boot camp. She takes my kids fishing. She's been there to see three out of the seven grandkids graduate high school. And God willing, she's going to continue to, to be there for them. That's amazing. So that got me thinking, what, what in the world, if the body can heal from MS, what else can the body heal from? Okay. Can it heal from rheumatoid arthritis? Can it heal from ulcerative colitis? Can it heal from Crohn's disease or gastroparesis or any other autoimmune or inflammatory or diabetes or anything else? And so that led me down this path of just continuing to research and look into, into reasons why the body goes haywire. And if it can go haywire and there's reasons why, if you take care of those reasons, can the body actually start healing? And that's what we've been able to prove again and again and again, is that if you get rid of enough of the bad stuff and give the body enough of the good stuff, you'll get to see miracles all the time. Oh, wow. That's one of the things I was going to ask because because the first thing someone could say was, well, maybe your mom was a miracle or a one-off or you know what I mean? But if you're repeating it, sure. then that's even more remarkable, right? So. Yes. Yeah, yeah I've, I've got a patient. I just saw her last week for the first time in, in quite a few years. Five, five years ago, I started working with her because she was let go from her job. She was diagnosed with MS. She couldn't work like she needed to work. And she thought, well, that's going to be it. Maybe you can help me a little bit, slow down, whatever. And we were able to help her body start healing, get to that point where she was able to get a full-time job again, still has that same job, um, goes in and gets her, her MRI three years ago. And there's no more plaquing wow. and she has no symptoms. And the neurologist said, well, I, there's no point in doing the MRI even every year. Let's do it three years out because you don't even really have MS anymore. That's amazing. And she's amazing. She's doing amazing right now still. And she's going to get an MRI in the next couple of weeks. And I, I fully expect her to still have a clear MRI. And so we've got so many stories of patients with MS, with rheumatoid arthritis, with lupus, um, with ITP, which is where they end up removing your spleen because you get low platelets, and which actually happened to my wife in college. But last year, we, we helped a lady save her spleen. A couple of years ago, we helped a 23-year-old save her liver that had autoimmune liver disease and was on the liver transplant list. And wow. now she still has her liver. And the doctor said, well, I guess we should probably take you off the transplant list because I, I don't think you need it anymore. <laughs> and he was, I'm pretty 
pretty sure he was surprised, but he never once called or reached out or said, hey, what, what did you guys do? Wow. You think that would be the first thing that they would do. <laughs> right. Yeah, I mean, I, I want to know. I'm like, yeah, okay, if I miss something, exactly. teach me, teach me something. Whether I'm going to do it or not, teach me. So. But, and I, this is probably an odd question, um, and I'll just put it out there, I guess. My my family's full of autoimmune diseases, so I have a vested interest in this. Mm -hmm. We all have different. Oh, yeah. yeah. What I want to ask is, is it all kind of the same root cause or... It's the same thing. Okay. But but it's different. And so, I mean, it's the same thing in that it doesn't matter because I'll go, I'll be doing a live on our, our TikTok channel. We've got almost 350,000 followers on TikTok. So we get lots of people on there and I'll say, put down below how many autoimmune diseases you have. And if you say one, you have to say one that I know of because the average person that has one autoimmune disease has multiple. Right. So... Well, why would that be? Well, again, because it's the same underlying issues that are causing one that's causing the body to create antibodies. An antibody is what tags COVID. When you get a when you get a COVID infection, you create antibodies. They tag that virus, and then the immune system comes in and destroys it. Well, that's what happens with the autoimmune disease. For your daughter, it's attacking her thyroid. For for your mom, it's attacking the platelets. And, and so it doesn't matter. This is why so many people that have Hashimoto's and they're never, no one with Hashimoto's is ever treated for Hashimoto's in the traditional medical model. And I'll tell you that in a second. Okay. So no one's ever treated. And so the majority of people that have that one have multiple because they never fix the why. And so the body can just keep attacking a different system and a different system and a different system. You get your, you got Graves disease and you get your thyroid radiated. Sure. You don't, you don't have high thyroid hormones anymore in your body, but you didn't fix your blood sugar or your leaky gut or your infections or your vitamin D levels or your blood sugar or anything else that we know drives that immune inflammatory cascade. Wow. So can your mom save her spleen? Absolutely. Can, can your daughter save her thyroid from destruction? Absolutely. Wow, that's great. And can she save other systems? Because if you haven't run her ANA, if you haven't run her rheumatoid factor, if you haven't looked at other autoimmune markers, I almost guarantee there's more. Last week, I had three 15-year-old girls, two were twins, but three 15-year-old girls, and all three of them had autoimmune disease. Two of them had multiple autoimmune and they're 15. Wow. Yeah, and she was diagnosed with Hashimoto's at three, yep. which the local children's hospital said is one of the youngest people they've ever diagnosed. Yep. So it's been going on for a while, and I don't feel like anybody ever checks all of the things you're talking about. I mean, they just treat it with thyroid medicine. Absolutely. But but here's the thing. Even when you're talking about, and, and we'll dig into this because levothyroxine is the number one most prescribed medication in the United States. Right. And then you look at Hashimoto's and that's the most common autoimmune disease in the United States. So not, not coincidence there. Okay. I didn't know that. But, but here's the deal. Levothyroxine is not a thyroid medication. Even though you think levothyroxine is a thyroid medication, it does nothing for your thyroid. Oh, okay. It's a hormone replacement. Right. Estrogen is produced by ovaries, right? 
that's where most of our estrogen comes from. And when you go through menopause, your estrogen goes down because your ovaries quit working or if you have a hysterectomy, et cetera. We don't call, if you're rubbing estrogen cream on, we don't call that ovary medication. We call it estrogen hormone replacement. Right, hormone replacement. Yeah, right. So thyroid, levothyroxine is T4 hormone. So we need to call this, you're on hormone replacement. Your daughter is on hormone replacement. That hormone replacement does zero for the thyroid gland. Doesn't it actually make the thyroid get worse though? Like it quits producing? Well, it not even makes it get worse. It's the feedback loop. So if we have like, let's say you're, you're taking a whole bunch of testosterone. Okay. And then the feedback tells the body you've got plenty of testosterone. So then it doesn't make as much testosterone. Same thing with the thyroid. You take external thyroid and then your, your pituitary says, oh, we've got, we've got enough. I don't need to make as much. And so then you need to take more and take more and take more. So it does absolutely nothing for the thyroid. But then think about Hashimoto's, which is autoimmune disease. It does nothing for that autoimmune disease either. Because my mom, when she healed from MS, they did not put her on levothyroxine to stop her auto. <laughs> zero, zero amount of, of neurologists are prescribing levothyroxine. So people, that's another thing I ask on, on social media. I'll ask people, put down below what you're taking for Hashimoto's. And 99% of them say levothyroxine, Synthroid, Armor, NP Thyroid, Tyrosine, all these different hormone replacements. But none of them truly understand. They've never been taught the physiology. And if somebody is, here's the question that people then ask. That once they start clicking and then they go, oh my gosh, well, well what do I do? Well, how, how do I stop it? Once they start typing those in, I know that they're actually, it's clicking. Right. That no amount of hormone replacement is going to stop the body from creating antibodies to destroy a tissue. No amount of hormone. Whatever kind of hormone, whether it's thyroid hormone or testosterone or cortisol or estrogen or whatever. So then we get to the why. And that is the whole point of functional medicine. Why is the body going haywire? Why in the world would it be attacking its own tissue? And you can put this to almost any condition, whether it's autoimmune or or not. And you go, okay, well, one of the first things we look at is blood sugar. That's why every one of our patients we work with gets a continuous glucose monitor, the little patch that tells you 24-7 what your blood sugar is. So it's doing inflammation, we've got brain issues, all types of things with blood sugar balances. But for autoimmune, every time that blood sugar spikes up, every time that blood sugar crashes down, you rev up the immune response and you destroy more tissue. Wow. So how important is it to stabilize your blood sugar as consistent and stable as possible? Absolutely. And if you're not, and you go, well, I'm eating paleo or I'm eating keto or I'm eating Mediterranean or whatever, you're just guessing. And unless somebody is actually monitoring their blood sugar, I, I've never seen somebody that had perfect blood sugar without actively tracking it and figuring out what to do and what not to do. So um, that's why I wrote my second book, Blood Sugar Doesn't Lie. It was all about, hey, this, this is why blood sugar is so important. And a big part of that was autoimmune. But I don't have a menu. I don't have a meal plan. I don't have a diet in there because it's so much more specific than we ever knew. So many people... Sweet potato is worse for their blood sugar than white potato. Oh. Even though you're, hey, eat, eat paleo. You can have all the sweet potato you want. Um, rice, almost every single person, rice spikes them up dramatically. Brown rice, white rice doesn't matter. So it's really a matter of true 
individualized medicine is absolutely the key to reversing autoimmune, to reversing chronic conditions of any kind. Wow. So would you say that that sugar monitoring is probably the number one most important factor or? Yes, that's where we start with everybody. Okay. It's a foundational piece. Is it going to be the key for everybody? No. Again, because it's, it's, uh, you know, an individual there that we're working with, but do 95 plus percent of people that we work with have considerable blood sugar imbalances? Absolutely. And then we got to get into leaky gut and then we got to get their vitamin D optimized. And then we got to figure out if they have any infections. And then we have to look for environmental toxins. And then we look into, into the adrenals and chronic stressors and all these different things. And it's just one of the many things that we have to do. Like Hashimoto's people go, oh, just get off of gluten and you'll, and you'll be fine. And it's like, well, maybe 10% of it is gluten. But you still have to deal, getting off gluten doesn't fix your blood sugar. Getting off of gluten doesn't get your vitamin D up to 80. Like if you have autoimmune, it needs to be. Getting off of gluten doesn't kill off your chronic Epstein-Barr virus or your chronic H. pylori bacterial infection. So it, it's a piece of it, but it's not the whole story. And that's where you've got to look at that global perspective. And that's even when people start thinking about um these chronic conditions, even coming from a natural perspective, it's still, ooh, this one thing or that one thing, but it has to be that global view. Otherwise someone is never going to get the results that they want. So how do you feel about like, I, I know some people are doing like a sugar-free diet, which is very difficult to do, but is that good or bad? Sugar-free is going to be great. There's no, no value, nutritional value at all for sugar. Corn, high fructose corn syrup, no amount of honey or maple syrup. Some people are like, oh, honey, local honey for allergies and things like that. Maybe you're getting into a little bit of that. But as far as just like nutritional value for that sugar coming into your body, there, there's no value to that at all. Um, so taking it out, absolutely. The, the average American, oh man, I can't even remember how much. It's like four pounds of sugar a year. It's a huge amount of sugar that people are eating on a regular basis. But what we've seen, because we've tracked thousands and thousands of patients, we were the first office that in the medical field that used a fingerprint glucose monitor on every one of our patients, whether you're diabetic, pre-diabetic, hypoglycemic, didn't matter. We had every single patient start poking their fingers six to eight times a day. Wow. And surprisingly, but most everybody did it. Hardly anybody, anybody complained. Um, and then about three or four years ago, we were fortunate enough to be able to bring continuous glucose monitors into the, into the practice. And we were the first office that had every single patient use a continuous glucose monitor in the United States. And, and so we've been able to see so many, so many neat things um, and learn a lot, but ultimately it's individualized and you can be totally off of sugar and still be going high, but here's the deal. Lows, especially with autoimmune are just as problematic. So I see people coming in in the thirties and forties and fifties and sixties. I like blood sugar 85 to 110, and most people don't realize it. They're, they're getting random anxiety. So physiologically, again, you've got to know the physiology. When blood sugar goes down, the adrenals kick in. The adrenals are stress glands. They tell the liver to release glucose. So now we've got sugar floating around because the brain needs that. But you've also got adrenaline floating around. 
So then as that adrenaline is floating around, it feels like random anxiety. Your heart can be racing. Middle of the night, your blood sugar can drop and then you get this spike and you can wake up with your mind racing. You can wake up racing hard. You can wake up in a puddle of sweat and you're like, oh, I'm getting hot flashes. Mike, you're 38. You're not going through menopause. And that's a, a low blood sugar state. And that is what's going on with, with these issues is that the blood sugar stabilization is more important than thinking about, oh, you're pre-diabetic or diabetic, but blood sugar stabilization, consistent, 25 points all day, every day. Wow. So is it just the, the highs and lows or is it how how rapidly you go up or down? Does that? Um, so if you're only going up 20 or 25 points, yeah, you don't have to worry about how how high it is. Right. And so the the extremes, we can see people swing 80 points in like 45 minutes. Wow. And that's good that they're able to pull it back down, but it it sends the body into red alert. It does all types of different stressors. And the really big problems is when it goes up and maybe not even that fast, but somebody has insulin resistance. And then it's slow going down and underneath that curve, if you've got insulin resistance, if you've got this elevated insulin and glucose for your time, that's really inflammatory and creates a lot of, a lot of damage. So that's why it's so important for people to know if they have insulin resistance and to start reversing it ASAP. Wow. So is that how somebody could like, for me, I feel like I have a lot of inflammatory conditions, but like when they test your different levels, I forget what it is, CRP or something. I don't show high. The CRP, homocysteine. Yeah. It doesn't have to, but those don't, don't always show up, even though we know somebody's inflamed. Okay. Um, and so again, it, it doesn't even matter what shows up at that point. If somebody's got an autoimmune disease, if somebody's got any chronic digestive distress, things like that, I'm like, they have inflammation, whether it's down at their cellular level and their brain, something is going on. But it's not like, oh, good, I'm going to give you enough turmeric, and then we're going to get over that inflammation. No, that's not how it goes. Maybe you take some short-term or some glutathione or something to be helpful with that. But long-term, we've got to fix the why. And that's the blood sugar, and that's the microbiome, and that's the leaky gut, and that's the, the fatty liver somebody's getting, and they're not clearing out their hormones, and their testosterone is in the, in the tank because they're in this chronic fight or flight, and their cortisol's too high, and their adrenals are out of balance, and then they're not able to get to sleep because the cortisol's too high before bed, but then they wake up in the middle of the night because their blood sugar's crashing down, and then those adrenals are being kicked in, so they're not getting the sleep that they need, and then they can't get up in the morning, and then they drink coffee, and then that coffee, which the adrenal and it's just this whole cascade and it's all connected that's crazy so in your practice when you put these people on constant monitoring do they stay on that forever or is it like six months until they learn so so we give them a three month three month bundle and and they're 14 days so you, you put on the back of the arm for 14 days switch it to the other arm abdomen whatever you're doing and and after three months almost everybody has a really good idea of what they should and should not. Um, some patients go and, and yeah, they continue. Over the last three, four years, I've probably worn it half of half of that time. You know, I'll, I'll run out of one and then I'll order another one in a couple of weeks. Um, my, he just turned 19, my oldest son, I've got four boys. Last year, he was a senior and we put one on the back of his arm and just said, hey, watch this app and, and do something different. And he's a smart kid, so he was able to, able to watch it 
And because he was still eating like he was a growing teenage boy, but he doesn't, he's not growing anymore and he doesn't do sports anymore. And so he started looking at it and we looked back and one day when he was first starting, he hit 38 and 12 in the same day. Wow. I like it 85 to 110. And I was like, what did that feel like? And he said, well, when it got high, that migraine, it would just be like, oh, I can't, I can't think right. When it got low, he'd get this tunnel vision. We were out shooting shotguns, shooting trap one day. And he looked at his watch. I was like, oh man, it's my, my glucose is at 65. And I'm like, give me that. <laughs> go, go, go get a bar out of the car. Go eat. You're not going to be shooting a shotgun around me with, <laughs> with your blood sugar really low. That's smart thinking. Yeah, because that, that's when you get angry, you get spacey, you're not making good decisions. A lot a lot of things are not constructive at that point. And so he ended up losing 30 pounds just by wow. putting a continuous glucose monitor on, paying attention. He did more of the good stuff. He probably hasn't had rice in, in a year, year and a half, just because he knows that no amount of rice, no type of rice is okay for his blood sugar. Spikes up and he feels feels bad. He crashes down. It's just, it's just this intense experience. And so you learn and you can't hide from it. That's why I named my book, Blood Sugar Doesn't Lie. Because if you see something that says 180, it is what it is. You can't be like, well, I read an article and they said that's okay for your blood sugar or that's okay for inflammation or whatever. And I go, I don't care what the book says. <laughs> You're the book that I'm a Right. And it, it might be okay for inflammation, but you want to get away from that inflammation. So, sure. Yeah. But, but even still, it, it, with, when blood sugar spikes or crashes down, that's creating more inflammation. Just that's just period. That that's one of the one of the byproducts of those things happening. Yeah, that's amazing to me because that's I, until I was listening to you, I'd never heard that before. So anybody associate blood sugar with autoimmune? Yeah, no, they're like, oh yeah, we know blood sugar. You don't want to get diabetic, but besides that, you'll be all right. Exactly. But I see lows for autoimmune just as problematic because really I, I don't see that many like Hashimoto's or uh, lupus or whatever. I don't see many diabetics in that world. Oh. It's most Hashimoto's, almost all Hashimoto's people are still up and down, up and down, up and down swinging. And so that's the concern like with Ozempic and Bonjaro and some of these, these weight loss drugs that you've seen any of those, right. they're, they're actually uh, been approved for obesity and type two diabetes. So what does that mean? Well, a lot of people just want to lose 10 pounds, 20 pounds, 30 pounds, go on it. And those people are not diabetic. They're not pre-diabetic but their blood sugar is swinging all over and they're already going low. So these drugs can drive hypoglycemia, even worse, their appetite suppressants. So you're not going to eat as much in 500, 600, 800 calories a day. And so that's even going to take you hypoglycemic just because you're not eating enough and, and it's going to drive more problems. So a lot of people with autoimmune, you, if you're taking any of these drugs, you sure as heck better be checking your blood sugar. If you're, if you're doing intermittent fasting and you have auto, you sure as heck better be checking your blood sugar because if that blood sugar is like, let's say you're intermittent fasting in the morning and that blood sugar starts to dip and then your adrenals kick in every time you're revving up your immune system and you're destroying more tissue, wow. even though you might lose 10 pounds, you're causing more damage. Yeah. And I, I heard those drugs make you lose muscle too. Oh, Absolutely. 
uh, like a third of the weight loss is muscle. Yeah, your people. That, that's why they're getting Ozempic face, Ozempic butt. If you if you've heard of that, or I've heard of the face, I haven't heard of the butt. Yeah, yeah, but look, Google Ozempic butt, and it's like groovy and everything. So. Oh wow. I, I figured if that, I, I would assume if that happened, it would just be like saggy skin or something, but you're saying like. Yeah, no, I mean, it, it can't, it's not just saggy skin. Oh, wow. And, and what we don't even know long-term is that affecting collagen. I've had, I'll do, do videos on social media about it and people comment, you know, all the time. They're like, I couldn't take it. It made my digestion horrible. My hair started falling out. A lot of different side effects. So they're not benign drugs, but they're getting thrown out like candy. And so I always say, what do you want to do? You want to inject yourself every week for the rest of your life? Is that, is that, what's the end game? Because you have to stay on them forever, don't you? I mean, as soon as you quit. Absolutely. The research shows if you stop, you gain the weight back, period. Unless you go in and you track your blood sugar and you detox your liver and you heal up your leaky gut and you help your, your, your infection that's going on and all these different things, you do that. And then you've lost weight and you get off and, and you're going to maintain that. But um, so many people, they, they don't even think about an exit strategy and they go, oh, I'll just keep taking it. I'm like, really? When insurance doesn't pay it anymore, or some people are paying five, six, eight hundred dollars a month wow. to get these drugs. And and you're like, forever? That's a that's a pretty good man. I want to get in that business to yeah. have a re- good recurrent uh payment for the rest of your life, you know, eight hundred dollars a month. I, th- I think you get so many people that are caught in a lot of these conditions you're talking about, and you put on weight or you can't get off weight. Yeah. And then they dangle this carrot. You take this drug and all of a sudden you're skinny. And it's too hard for a lot of people to take the magic blue pill, right? And you just eat. eat. Right. Yeah. They don't know what it, what else it does. It might make you skinny, but. Sure. It decreases testosterone. The European Union just put a a warning on it that it could increase suicide risk. Oh, wow. Lots, lots of issues, and, and we'll, we'll learn more as millions of people are taking it. But uh, and some people, sure, they've lost 70, 80, 90, 100 pounds, but those were obese people, and and that's that they probably needed to do something like that. They maybe they don't have access to, to seeing somebody like us at F8, um, and, and they were doing something that it was FDA approved for obesity. But, you know, for somebody looking to lose 10 pounds, 20 pounds, 30 pounds, it is a pretty poor choice and, and really kind of a, kind of a lazy choice as well. But what's your feelings on peptides or is it the same thing? Like there's some peptides that supposedly can assist in weight loss. Yeah. Same thought process. Uh, Is it fixing any, are you going to need to take that forever? Right. Or does it go, oh, okay, it reset this whole system and my genetics, and now I've lost weight and I can keep eating the way I was eating and I don't gain the weight. I, I, doubt, I, I doubt that's going to happen. Right. So uh, yeah, my, my the, about the only time I think somebody needs to continue to take something, like if you've had your gallbladder removed. Okay, well, you, your bile is being produced, but it just kind of sludges into the into the small intestine and it's not being released at the right time and everything. So maybe you need to take some um, some type of gallbladder enzyme support that's going to help you break down fat. Okay, maybe that'll happen. 
maybe somebody has been in such chronic stress and their stomach has slowed down on producing stomach acid so much and it's been so long of that okay maybe you're going to need to take some betaine hydrochloride to help break down your proteins your calcium and your iron um, maybe your Hashimoto's has been there so long if we did an ultrasound you could hardly see your thyroid you know what, you're probably going to need to be on hormone replacement the rest of your life. So there are times and places for being on these type of drugs and medications and, uh, and different things. And yet, I think everybody needs to go in with the right mindset of, even if I do something, what is my long-term play? What am I going to do three months from now, a year from now? Am I still going to need to be on this? Let's fix it. So even if you are on one of those semi-glutide drugs, let's fix why you're 40 pounds overweight in the first place. Right. So what, while we're talking about peptides, what about the healing peptide? Is there any, the, uh, I, is it BPC-157 or something like that? Is there yeah. any truth to that or? There's some. There's some that, that have been shown to be to be productive and to help help healing some different different issues. Uh, I would say, you know, what what I've used personally uh, with patients, I, I don't much anymore. But in the past, I've used stem cells, and so stem cell injections in myself and in, in my family and patients, where uh, in my my knees, my ankle, my shoulder, all these places and places that used to hurt a lot don't hurt anymore. And stem cells have been shown to help regenerate tissue. There was a study where they're using stem cells with type 1 diabetics, and 50% of them were able to get off of insulin. Wow. Actually helping to regenerate the beta cells in the pancreas. Yeah. So, you know, they're... That's what I'm interested in. I'm, I'm interested in healing right. and, and true healing. And unless I go back and irritate my knees so much that I that they get damaged again, one, I probably won't have to do stem cells again. And two, I, you know, it won't be won't be painful. So can I ask why you moved away from it? Um, it we we see probably 80, 90% of, of our patients remotely. Oh, okay. So that's why yeah. uh, it, it's, it's hard to do in, injections over Zoom. That makes sense. <laughs> and it was kind of a bigger hassle than, than I wanted it to be at that point. And, and we definitely got away from one of the structural musculoskeletal uh, type issues and, and really just focusing on the chronic metabolic conditions and, and neurologic issues. So, um, yeah, I, there's, I guarantee there's somebody local to you doing stem cells. <laughs> I, mean, I was just curious why you moved away from it, if it, if it was so helpful. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it is, and that's not really my passion. Like I, I've got machines and instruments and, and protocols that can help people reverse their neuropathy. Yeah. That makes sense. And their feet and different things, but it, it really didn't excite me. Most of them were grumpy, grumpy old people that were diabetics that didn't want to change their, change their diets or anything else. And we go, Oh, you can feel your toes now. <laughs> Helping a, a lady like I, I talked to yesterday that said has been throwing up for 15 years straight every day. Oh, that's sad. And within uh, two months, she wasn't throwing up anymore. Helping that 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 gives me a lot more a lot more excitement. Waking up every day, so that's huge. Absolutely. I you've mentioned a, a word that was on my mind anyway, but genetics is. 
how is most of this autoimmune stuff i mean is there a genetic component or since you're having such a high cure rate it sounds like it sounds to me more that it's environmental maybe or yeah so there is a uh, genetic component to it is that just coincidence that so many people in your family have autoimmune probably not my mom's cousin had ms as well yeah i've got cousins that her mess. Yeah, a lot of times there's there's cousins and siblings that have MS and different things. So there probably is a genetic part to it. We don't know which genes to look for, and you can do the HLA-DR and some different things, but even still, but it's like breast cancer gene, right? You can have the breast cancer gene right. and never get breast cancer. You can get breast cancer and not have the breast cancer gene. So which is it? Is it genetic? Is it right? environmental? It's some both. And, and the, the exciting part is you, you actually can kind of control both of them. Most people think genes are just these locked in. You got all your, all your genome and your, your, all your letters in there. And they just, that's, that's what they are. But your genes can actually be turned on and off. The expression of that gene can be turned on and off by environmental factors. Right. Like what you eat or stress or all the above? Sure. Okay. Yeah, all, all of it. By If you, you live by meltdown nuclear power plant, right? Because that's going to turn on some genetics that we don't want. Um, but yeah, food, drink, alcohol, stress levels, the the amount of sleep we're getting, the your microbiome, um, it, when, when our gut and our, that, we have more cells in us, more organisms of the microbiome that are not us than we have cells in our body. Wow. You know, it literally is an entire universe in us. What is that out of balance? Well, that's going to allow some genes to express themselves. Why, when you do a fecal transplant, have you heard of that? Yeah, I have. Um, so like C. diff and some of those things, you can YouTube it, anybody out there, if you have it. Hopefully they don't show it. Um, but usually it's from a healthy person into a sick person. Right. But what we're looking at is this study, they they flip-flop both of them, one from one person to the other person and vice versa. Oh wow. And they were just seeing what, what was going to happen. And interesting, um, not only did they switch their microbiome, but their belt sizes flip-flopped. Wow. And the person that was better weight gained weight, and the person that was overweight lost weight just by doing a, a microbiome flip-flop. Wow. There was a, a study with uh, humans with Parkinson's and mice, and they did fecal transplant from that human with Parkinson's into the mice, and the mice developed Parkinson's-type symptoms. Wow, that's shocking. But, so what, what, what is it? Well, maybe that was genetics turned on, maybe it wasn't, but it, it ultimately doesn't matter. We can control the things that we can control. What can you control? Let's go back to the basics. Can you control what you put in your mouth? Well, some people are right now are saying no. <laughs> and, and, and I've got a simple solution. Um, it's silver and you can get it at the hardware store and you put it right over your mouth. So yeah, a little duct tape will help, help any of that. So we can control the food. We can control the liquid. We can filter our water. We can buy organic so we're not getting exposed to Roundup and glyphosate. We can read labels. And if you can't tell what that what it says on a food label or a, a drink label, don't get it. You can start looking into the average female is exposed to over 150 chemicals by the time they leave the bathroom. Wow. Every single morning. And these 
these toxins are going to be driving autoimmune. And if you look at that, yeah, I've got four boys, so I don't know all those things, but like the eyelash stuff and hairspray and uh, all, the, all these different things, um, you know, 150 chemicals every time a female leaves the bathroom, they've been exposed to that much, lotions and smells. You know, you've got your plugins in the walls. You've got all these chemicals. It's like 50, 60,000 chemicals since World War II that had never been there before, and our bodies are not evolving fast enough to, to be able to process these out and detox it. Then you've got things like the Patagonia fleeces and they, these little nanoparticles break down from that fleece and get into the water. And so, and we've got tons of this in our, in our body. And then you've got birth control that breaks down in, in urine oh, wow. and gets out into the water supply. And it's now that we're getting estrogens, even just from our water, from, from the medications that we're getting, they can detect Prozac in, in water supply. So we're getting bombarded everywhere. So what can you do? Can you get air filters? Can you make sure your water is clean? Can you do the best you can on your food and take out things like sugar, monitor your blood sugar, look at your blood work. Can you get out into the sun every day? And if that's not enough, can you take vitamin D? Can you go through the, through the process of doing once a year, doing a, a liver cleanse, helping supporting that process? You, if you've been out of the country or eat a lot of sushi, should you, should you probably do a parasite cleanse every year and, and do some things that way? What can you do day in and day out that is going to put you back in control as opposed to, well, right. it's my genetics. I'm screwed. <laughs> Yeah, that's what I don't want to hear. That's interesting that you said women are exposed to so many chemicals before they even get out of the bathroom, because I read that like 78% of the people with autoimmune are women. I don't know if that's true. It was yeah, it's, it's eight to one, eight to one ratio. Wow. So do you think that's part of it? All this um, estrogenic events. Okay. So that's why the 15 year old girls last week, puberty, going through puberty trigger that oh, wow. going on control. How many women never felt the same after having a baby? If I hear that, oh yeah, I was never the same after that second kid. I'm like, well, good. Guilt that kid for the rest of their life. <laughs> and they, they screwed you over. We've got this estrogenic event of having the baby and, and it can trigger autoimmune. Going through menopause, going on birth control. Birth control is not hormone suppression. Birth control is hormone replacement. Oh. So so many think, oh, I'm just going to squash my estrogen stuff. No, you're taking hormones. Oh, wow. If you're on birth control, pill, so you're, you're though all those women setting themselves up for, for autoimmune. Oh, wow. That's scary. Yeah. And, and it's, it's taken like candy. Yeah, it is. And, and it's sold to you. Just, I mean, you're not told it's hormone replacement. No, it, it's benign. Yeah. Oh yeah. That, yeah. That's fine. Will I be able to get pregnant easily? Oh yeah. You just come off and you get pregnant. You'll be fine. Oh, it won't have any other effects. Oh no, you'll be fine. Wow. That's kind of horrifying, especially for the younger. Yeah. I mean, million, hundreds of millions of women. And, and it's, and then it's put out there as this, oh, it's liberating the women. So they, they don't have to worry about getting pregnant and getting tied down, with having a baby. And so then it opens up to, um, to, to, to women having more intercourse and, and with, with other people. And then you get, then you get those viruses and there's sexually transmitted diseases are absolutely causing other things, causing cancers, causing other um, other stressors on the body. And cro a chronic infection 
absolutely can stimulate auto. Oh, wow. And so, yeah, I mean, everything has a, a cascade effect to it. And so if we're not sitting there thinking, okay, doctor, you told me I have Hashimoto's. You're going to give me hormone replacement and say, that's all you can do. You can't do anything else about it. Should I get off of gluten? Oh, no, 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 that, that, that doesn't. Okay. Um, so answer me this. Do you think there's things that can make your autoimmune worse? Do you think there's things that can drive autoimmune conditions? Absolutely. It's a pretty simple question. Yeah. So then you think about that and you go, okay, well, if there's things that can drive autoimmune, can make autoimmune rev up and get worse and attack more tissue, wouldn't it make sense that if you don't do those things, if you turn them back the other way, it should slow it down. It should reverse it. Something should change. Right. Don't you think it's worth trying? And so for a doctor to sit there, look you in the eyes and say, you know what? There's nothing you can do about this. Really? It doesn't matter what I eat. doesn't matter what you eat. Really? What, what if I stress a bunch? And maybe that'll make a little bit worse. What if I don't ever sleep? Yeah, man, maybe that'll make it a little bit worse. So if it could make it a little bit worse, don't you think we could make it a little bit better? Yeah, because I've I've point blank asked a doctor, one of my doctors, I said, would trying to get off sugar or reducing sugar help? And he said, well, number one, you're never going to be able to do that. Nobody can do that. And number two, probably not enough to notice. So, yeah. and, and they're your doctor. So you, you believe them. Yeah. And, and this is what people are told. And this is what my mom was told. There's nothing you can do. Take the drugs. You're eventually going to die from this. Suck it up and you know, maybe do some PT and that's it. Wow. And that was, yeah, that could have been her life. I just talked to a lady this morning and her dad just died this year from complications from diabetes, from high glucose. Wow. He probably had a doctor because he really didn't believe that he could get better or change or anything. And he probably had a doctor or somebody say, oh yeah, once you got diabetes, that's, you got it. And that's it. You can't do anything about it. And we've had diabetic patients get off insulin, get off their metformin, get off their trulicity, get off all these drugs, reverse their diabetes, get in the five, five range on their A1C and no longer have diabetes. Wow. Yeah. Cause I, I have a friend, he's, he's tried everything. I mean, he, he really monitors his diet. He's a type one diabetic. He's thin as a rail, mm -hmm. watches what he eats meticulously, and, and he's still struggling. I mean, it's just yeah. haywire. Yeah, and, and, and we have type 1 diabetics that we can get stabilized 100 to 140 every day. I've got wow. ones that have been able to cut, cut their insulin in half from the, the level they've been taking since they were a kid. Ones that uh, are if, uh, one guy 5.4 as a type 1 diabetic. Wow which is unheard of, but we, we make sure his liver is working as optimal as possible. Make sure he knows when to eat, what to eat, how to exercise, what to do before exercise, basically making it unnecessary to have insulin. If you look at my blood sugar, um, if, if I brought up the app and you looked at my blood sugar throughout the day, most days, if I'm doing what I need to do, you can't tell when I eat a meal. Wow. It's just nice and steady and there's hardly change at all to it. But right. that's years of work and learning and everything. But that's that's what happens with our patients. So do you try to avoid sugar yourself? Is that one of sure. I mean it's I'll have a little piece of chocolate here or there or something like that, but day in and day out. So like um 
for today, some some eggs for breakfast. I had in my shake uh, some uh, bone broth and, and collagen, some protein, and uh, grass fed butter, and some with some tea, hot tea, blended all up. I drank on that throughout the morning for lunch. I had some bro uh, leftover broccoli and cauliflower rice, and I had some ground venison. One of the boys, actually multiple boys, shot deer last year, so a deer deer in the freezer. So um, did some of that. Put on some um, some fat actually a bunch of fat and and that was my lunch dinner is going to be something similar we've got we've got some chicken marinating and chopped up and we're going to do a bunch of vegetables with that and do some fat and that'll be that'll be my dinner and my blood sugar won't get over 110 today and maybe i'll have a little spindrift drink that's kind of a treat it's got sparkly water with some um, with some fruit flavor to it, and that, that might be my little treat there. But besides that, it might only be 40 grams of carbs, 50 grams of carbs. I, I don't even know how much it's going to be, but you know, I'm not trying to be in ketosis or anything, but I just, I, I feel better not eating grains at this point. So how important, I know exercise is important to the body, for the heart, for the lymph system. I, I get all that, but how important is it to control our sugar? Yeah, so th there was a study done where they had two groups of kind of pre-diabetic people that had insulin resistance, blood sugar was a little too high. And what they did was put one group into doing seven minute bicycle sprint one time per week. And then the other group, they did three cardiovascular like walks, hour long walks a week. And they tracked their blood sugar over the course of the study, eight weeks, 10 weeks, whatever it was. And the group that did the one seven minute bicycle sprint per week, not every day, per week, had better blood sugar stabilization than the group that was going for walks three or more times a week. Wow. <laughs> so intense muscle contraction pulls glucose out of the bloodstream. But muscle is the only tissue in the body that can do that even with insulin resistance and can do that very quickly. So muscle contraction is absolutely crucial if somebody's trying to regulate their blood sugars. And but doing a more intense muscle contraction. Obviously, if you've got a heart condition or anything like that, reach out and talk to your doctor first. But um, if if you've got any type of blood sugar dysregulation, get on a stationary bike, do a rolling machine, get your heart rate elevated up, get the muscles contracting hard. And it's not just right there. It lasted the whole week wow. with better blood sugar stabilization just by doing one. You, you get on that bike and you pedal as hard as you can and those legs start getting heavy and, and hard, hard to keep going. But it's going to, it's going to stabilize that blood sugar way better than anything else. If you have to go have a dessert and your blood sugar starting to go, go in and do, do some jumping jacks, do three minutes of jumping jacks. And that's going to start pulling that blood sugar down. Um, so yeah, exercise way more important than just, oh yeah, it's good for my heart. I, I want to lose weight. Here's the thing. People always say, oh, exercise. I'm going to, if I ate that extra cookie or whatever, I'm, I'm just going to burn it off with some exercise. Those are two totally different things. You know, what the blood sugar, liver, insulin, triglycerides, all that response is totally different than going and getting on the stair climber for, for 20 minutes. <laughs> Those are two different systems. Uh -huh. It's not going to work in other words. No. I mean, yeah, go ahead and get on the stair, stair climber, but don't expect it to counterbalance your, your bad habits. Your cookie. <laughs> I have a quick question, and this is just out of my own curiosity because I, 
I went down a rabbit hole today as I was researching a little bit and I've been fighting frozen shoulder mm -hmm. supposedly for a year now. Right. And I, yeah. I'm getting exhausted. Just the, the pain just drives you crazy. Right. But anyway, I read today something that no doctor I've been to a surgeon and I'm trying to trying to not have cortisone shots yeah. because I've heard they eat your bone up. So I'm trying not. I'm not yeah. Yeah. You, you don't want to do more than one. Yeah. But anyway, what I read today was that it is an, uh, it is a immune response. And I've never heard that from anybody. I think for some people it can be, I, I wouldn't say that every frozen shoulder okay. is, is a uh, immune or autoimmune, anything like that. But, um, yeah, there's, I've got a, a technique that, um, that I've used on frozen shoulders. And I know there's doctors around the country that even as little as one visit can, can free up a frozen shoulder. Really? Without excruciating? It might be a little uncomfortable, but I've been doing physical therapy for like 30 treatments now. And that's, that's painful. Yeah. It's no worse than that. Okay. How, where are you located? I should ask that. Yeah. So the, the technique is actually called trigenics. Trigenics. So yeah, I'll, I'll send you a, a, a link on that. So, um, so yeah, there, there's, uh, there's docs around, around the, the U.S. That, that do. I, I haven't heard anybody tell me that there's anything other than trying the therapy and they, everybody wants to shoot it with cortisone. That's, yep. and I don't want that. No, that's not, that's not good. But when I saw the immune system response i I thought man i gotta ask if that's true or not sure it, it definitely can be part of it yeah okay so if somebody has an autoimmune condition since we focused a lot on that today what's the number one thing that they can do um to try to help themselves yeah i think the one thought you should be having is what you're putting in your mouth right now is that helping or hurting there's no neutral with food there's no like oh celery doesn't really do anything. Celery is either going to be constructive or destructive either way. And so black bean, well, black beans, they say there's good protein, but it can kind of, you know, there's leptins in there and they can kind of flare things. So eh, maybe it's just kind of neutral. No, it's either constructive or destructive. So look at everything you put in your mouth, liquid, food, anything, and start thinking about, is this making my inflammatory process more or less? What is this doing to my immune system? And that can be from a blood sugar component. That can be from a allergy component. That can be from a too many calories, not enough calories. All these different things can, can play a role. In that. Wow. It seems kind of overwhelming. <laughs> so are, are leptins, like if you cook the beans, it destroys the leptins, doesn't it? Or not? No? It's still, it still could be enough. You know, just like, oh, you can soak your nuts and, and that'll be fine. And if you react, you react. Okay. And if you don't, you might be okay. But almost every single person that we've ever tested, beans make their blood sugar shoot really high. Oh, wow. Because I'm vegetarian and I eat a lot of beans. Yeah. It, it, here's the thing. As a vegetarian, I guarantee you 100%, no way, no how, will you be able to get your blood sugar stabilized. Okay. That's good to know. I mean, I've been debating on whether I need to go back to eating meat because I'm just yeah. flailing. And, and just and get a CTM and play around with it. And prove me wrong. I would love for a vegetarian to show me their 30-day CGM and go, 
you know what? You were wrong. I was able to stabilize my blood sugar. Great. And it's going to take you probably five hours of thought every day <laughs> to do that. No, I believe you. I just, um, I, I have heart issues. So I was told to, to get off the meat. So I did. And that was a doctor. So I did. Yeah. And then I'm struggling and all other. Yeah, you're a good compliant patient. Good job. Exactly. But I feel like it's been to my own detriment. And I probably. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, that's good to know. Yeah. Well, is there anything we haven't talked about today? I want to be respectful of your time, but is there anything we haven't? That, no, that, that, that's good. I, I uh, rambled on a lot there. So. Oh no, I I appreciate all your wisdom and knowledge, and my my hope is that we help people out there. So, and I believe me. Absolutely. So here here's the thing. Um, you know, I'm not selling F8. I'm not selling what I do. I'm not selling a program or non-vegetarian or vegetarian, whatever. I'm selling hope. And that's what I want each and every one of you that's watching and listening to get out of this, is that there is hope. There is hope that your body can, there is hope that you can uncover those underlying imbalances. And there's hope that, that you can take massive action and see those changes and see your grandkids graduate high school, be there when your kids get married, be able to you know, grow old with your spouse and have fun and love life and do all those things that we were supposed to do on this planet and and, and love, love our fellow man and just give, give as much as we can. And I always say you, you absolutely can, can be more, you can do more, and you can give more. And, and if your body is working as well as possible, all those things are way easier. And you have no idea how much hope means to people because I can tell you, between my daughter and my mom and I, I've not had one doctor give any of us any hope of ever overcoming the autoimmune conditions. It's like, you're with us forever. Just, and to your point earlier, hope you don't get a second one or a third one because they hang out together. And I'm like, what? <laughs> so, yeah. 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 I just had a patient a couple of weeks ago Her Hashimoto's antibodies are gone. Her rheumatoid factor antibodies are gone and her ANA antibodies are gone in three months. Wow. That's amazing. Her body's amazing. Do you have a family program? <laughs> the whole family. <laughs> yeah, the whole, whole, whole family needs, needs there. Yeah, I, I just started work with uh, those 15-year-old twins. I, they, and I, I told mom and dad, I'm like, I, I'd love to, to like say, oh yeah, this one's worse than that one or whatever. But if you guys just want to start with one, you just have to pick, pick out your favorite. And so they're both starting. I think that guilt trip got them. Yeah, I would think so. I couldn't pick one of my kids over the other for sure. <laughs> well, yeah. All right. Well, thank you. That was awesome. Yeah. Thank you very much. Yeah. I appreciate everything. So thank you very much. As we wrap up today's episode, I hope Dr. Ben sharing his journey and his wisdom has helped you in some way. The main takeaway for me is that there is hope to overcome autoimmune diseases, diabetes, and other ailments as well. We don't have to accept them as lifelong diagnoses anymore. I was amazed at how much a stabilized blood sugar, stable within the range of 85 to 110, can change the game. He also mentioned how leaky gut syndrome may be adding to health issues or even a deficiency in vitamin D, and all of these things contribute to inflammatory conditions in the body. It may take a lot of commitment, but it is possible to cure autoimmune conditions. I was also fascinated when Dr. Ben mentioned that there are no neutral foods or drinks. They either benefit the body or they harm it. There's no in-between. 
That makes it pretty simple and pretty real. Food is either a medicine or it's a toxin for the body. I believe that Dr. Ben has given us all a lot to think about. What stood out to you? I'd love to hear from you. As always, I hope this episode helps at least one person. And with that, I hope you have a blessed week, my friend. Thank you for listening to The Beauty in the Mess. If you enjoyed what you heard, please share it with a friend. And if you haven't already, please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast on your favorite pod player. If you have any questions or comments, any topic ideas you would like to hear about, or you think you would be a great guest on the show, you can reach me directly at thebeautyinthemess.com. Thanks for listening.